Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Scripture lesson this morning comes out of Luke's Gospel, the 21st chapter, verses 25 through 36. Hear with me now the words of the Lord. There will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth, distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up, raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the leaves. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, they will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life and that day that does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, may we look. May we look for you every day. May we expect to meet you every day. May we listen intently for your words. May our hearts be tuned and open. May our very lives be available to you. But as you speak to us, as we see you around us, may we recognize that you call us forth, not as spectators, not as listeners but as doers. So may we come away from this hour not as listeners of your words only, but as doers of your words intentionally. All this we ask in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So as the season of Advent begins, we have the candles, the trees, the decorations, the chrismons and the narthex, the familiar tunes that remind us of an expectation, that remind us to prepare our hearts. And as I was thinking about this this week, what came to mind was a simple video that a friend of mine shared with me just a couple of weeks ago, a video that talks about just where we might meet God. In this video, a nine-year-old comes down, marching into the kitchen, as only nine-year-olds do, carrying his backpack, and he flops it up on the kitchen counter, all full of himself, and he pulls out the snack drawer and gets out some Twinkies, 
We're just going to start with the healthy food first. Get the Twinkies out, then a couple of juice bottles, and then he makes a kid's sandwich. You know what a kid's sandwich is, right? You get to, a kid gets two pieces of bread, they rummage through the cupboard for whatever they want to do. Maybe it's a peanut butter and jelly, and they just cover it with peanut butter and jelly. They're not really worried about presentation. There's probably a mess on the counter, if you will. Takes that sandwich, puts it in a sandwich bag, puts all of it in his backpack, and puts that backpack on, cinches the straps, and starts marching for the front door. Now his mom has been at the kitchen table watching all this happen, and she goes, where do you think you're going? And he looks at her without missing me, and he goes, I'm going to find God. And she goes, good luck with that. Be back by six. And with that, he marches out the front door. Now what's amazing about this is that the mother just says good luck with that and lets him go out the door, right? Here's the rest of the story. They live in a big city. By big city, I mean a place that's got a train for public transportation. Big city. And he goes down the street, away from his house, down into the tunnel to the subway. And the next scene shows him standing there by the subway, waiting on the train. He looks at his watch. He gets on the subway and he's looking around and he's, he's just watching people. I mean, people watching is fun, but he's really enjoying this as a nine-year-old, just enjoying this all at the moment. The subway stops, he gets off, he walks up to a park. Sees one of those long benches where people maybe feed the squirrels or the pigeons, take their lunch or whatever. And he walks along, he gets almost to the end where he sees a woman and she's got bags scattered around her, those big heavy tote bags. She's wearing a hoodie. The viewer begins to think maybe who she might be. He sits down, he says hello to her, she says hello back. A little bit later on, he reaches into his backpack and he pulls out his lunch. And just before he takes a bite of that big sandwich with jelly coming out of it, he looks at her, she looks at him, he smiles and he tears the sandwich in half. And he offers it to her. And she's stunned. She takes the sandwich and says, thank you. And show them eating the sandwiches and the video goes on. There's laughter and they're pointing at things in the sky. And they're pointing at things, the birds and whatnot. And they're just laughing and having a grand old time in the afternoon. A little bit later, the Twinkies come out. And then the juice bottles. And then as the shadows are starting to grow, he looks at his watch and goes, oh, I got to go. And with that, he gets up to this woman he'd never met before until he sat on that park bench and he gives her a great big hug and she, him as well. And as he's walking out, just before he cuts out the door or the gate to the park, he turns back and he waves at her and she at him. The next scene, he comes walking in the front door, big old smile on his face, and his mother goes, well, did you find God? And he goes, I did. And she's got the best smile ever. Now, in the next scene, the same woman is going, she's got her bags in hand, and she's going to queue up at the homeless shelter. Big smile on her face, and the lady in front of her goes, what are you so happy about? And she goes, I've been in the park this afternoon having Twinkies with God. He's much younger than I expected. And I think of that moment in time, as I think about that, I think, what is this story? This story of hope. I mean, here the boy has got hope that he has seen God. The woman has got hope that she has found someone that cares for her. In the midst of this, in the midst of this whole thing, You've got the mother who realizes her son has been on this adventure 
and he comes back with this energy. I've got hope that maybe the world is not as dark, not as scary as we think it might be. After this one encounter, this one afternoon in the park, this idea of hope reigns supreme. So we've begun the season of Advent, the season of preparation. We often think of it in terms of preparing for Christmas, the decorating of the house, the preparing of gifts, the baking, the celebrating, the carols. And yes, it is a season for that. But there is a liturgical element to it as well. As followers of Christ, there's a season of preparation in our own lives, and we kind of have to face this idea of the birth of Christ really in two veins. One, what does it mean to us that God was one of us, born as a babe in a manger? What does that mean to us? But the second part is, how does it impact how we live and who we are? So our Advent journey to find the heart of Christmas, if you will, is one that is chronological. We mark the Sundays by the candles. Theological, we think about the themes that are there, but then very personal about what it means to us. What we find today, that one light shining on the wreath, we find that hope is at the heart of Christmas. Hope is a part of our Advent journey. In the Gospel reading from Luke today, Jesus is telling the disciples to have hope. He's sort of forewarning them that life is going to be difficult after he has died and gone and been raised from that. He tells them that I will come again in glory, but there's going to be a lot go on. The world is going to get turned upside down. There are going to be all these things, earthquakes and fires and floods and disruption. But hold fast, stay vigilant, have hope that I will not leave you abandoned. Have hope. Be ready for that day. Be looking out for that day when I come again. Live in such a way that you're ready to meet me just the way I left you. Be ready. That image of the fig tree sort of talks about the signs that just like we know with trees, when we start to see the, the, the leaves burst forth, that spring is here and that summer is on the way, the same is true. Jesus saying that you know, the kingdom will be built when good things are happening, burst forth fruit. When our lives bear fruit, that God's kingdom is that much closer. Look out for that day. He reminds the 12 to stay true to that. To remember back when the people on earth, when the Israelites, when they were lost and their world was turned upside down, when they were in exile when they were in chaos, that the prophets foretold the coming of the Messiah. And he was born in a manger. Jesus is foretelling that when your life is upside down, when there's chaos, when there's misery, have hope, for I will not abandon you. But there's even a deeper message in there for us as well. Not just for us to have hope, but to realize that we bear hope to the world. That we bear the hope to the world. And that hope is simply this, that when the world was lost, when the world was turned upside down, when the world was in chaos, that God sent his son to right the ship, sent his son to show us the way, sent his son to calm the waters of chaos. That God truly was one of us. 
to show us the way. And that's the existence of what changed the world, that God was one of us to show us the way. Giving hope by ordering chaos. Giving hope by loving the world out of its misery. So thus it is our turn as heirs of this hope to bear that hope. I mean, think about hope, that word. I mean, if hope were an acrostic, what would you make it say? Maybe helping others through positive encounters. Maybe that's hope. Maybe that's what we could do, to help others through positive encounters. And we can do this by loving the chaos out of the world. By thinking about it from the terms of our location. I mean, in business, in any kind of world, they tell you that it's all about location, location, location. Maybe that's how our ministry should be looked and viewed upon. Location, location, location. But also about our abilities and then about our way to trust God through all of this. Share with some of you all that a friend of mine at church has a sign posted over the door that says, the service has ended, you are entering the mission field. See, friends, the mission field is right outside of our door, but more importantly, it's right wherever you happen to be. So I'm going to do, I'm going to do some park service counting, which is different than usher counting, which is vastly different than preacher mass. Let me just name that, okay? Right now, if I were to look in the room right here, that there's probably, I'm going to guess about 275 of you here, park service counting. I haven't really counted. I'm just guessing. There's about 275 of you here, so just imagine if the 275 of you in the room walk out the doors. Wherever you go today, there are 275 different branch offices of the gospel of Jesus Christ at play. That's the mission field. Right wherever you happen to be, you are the franchise location of God's mission field. So a group of, for a group of teachers, the mission field they found themselves in one day was the teacher's lounge. Now, when I was a kid, the teacher's lounge was this mythical place where good things happened. And there was even a soda machine, maybe. Come to find out later, it's just a glorified break room. You know, it's sort of bad to grow up and sort of have your dreams dashed. Because it was a magical place, the teacher's lounge. But not anymore. But on this particular day, the mission field was there in the teacher's lounge. A group of teachers saw that one of their co-workers who had been really sick, taking treatments, that she was running out of sick leave and realized that either soon she was going to have to determine whether to keep her job or go on furlough, unpaid leave, so that she could continue to get her treatments. But at that moment in time, in the mission field, they cobbled together their unused sick leave to give to her so that she could continue to get paid and receive her treatments. Because at that moment in time, in that mission field, there was chaos in her life. And they did something to calm those waters. What chaos or upheaval happens in the mission field throughout your life? That's the mission field for hope for you, my friends. Wherever we find that chaos, that's our mission field and where we can provide hope. And we provide it through our abilities, through the gifts that God has given us, through those things which we are capable of doing right in front of us. I think about this scene in the movie Apollo 13 when they realize that all of a sudden that their 
running out of oxygen because the, the CO2 filter can't screen enough of it out. And they realize that this is all because they not plan on having three astronauts in the same capsule for the whole trip. And so all of a sudden the engineers at NASA go into a room, they have a big table, and they dump out all the stuff that is in the capsule and say, figure out how to make this round filter fit this square hole and work. And after several hours and some plastic and some duct tape and some hoses and everything else, they figured out a solution. All because they were able to use their skills together to come up with something to stop the chaos in the capsule. My friends, my brothers and sisters, as disciples, we have been given tools to create solutions. We've been equipped to be unleashed upon the world to create solutions to calm the chaos in the mission field around us, to give the world hope that it cannot just thrive, or not just survive, but thrive. I mean, we've been called a royal priesthood. We've been given spiritual gifts. We've been given the fruits of the Spirit like peace, patience, joy, love, gentleness, self-control. We've been given talents, those unique abilities that we have, the combination of them that maybe only reside with one of us. But when we work together, there's nothing we can't accomplish. And we've been given a heavy dose of God's love. And so hope is given when we take those gifts that we have and we use those talents to calm the chaos in the world around us. I think of a pilot who flew in World War II, then later in life he never won, gave up the bug for flying, always flying a private plane. And so as he hit his retirement years, he realized, I have this ability, this gift, and this love for flying. I can use my plane to carry others to medical appointments far, far away that they can't afford to travel to. And so 462 of these angel flights later, he's carried people all across the country who couldn't afford an airplane flight to go from Charlotte, North Carolina to Philadelphia for a cancer treatment or somewhere in North Carolina to Texas or Virginia to Minnesota, all because he had that ability. Or maybe it's a family that heard our conversation just a couple of weeks ago about bags of food for loaves and fishes and went home and said, Grandma, I think we can do 20 bags. And guess what they did? 20 bags. Because the grandchildren said so. And you know, if the grandchildren say we can do it, nothing's going to stop us, right? See, you don't have to be a rocket scientist or an airplane pilot. You just have to be someone willing to use your gifts and talents to make a difference. The faith of a child to make a difference. So the question is not only what chaos, what is our mission field look like, but what gifts do we have to offer to it to bring hope to the world? Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, they will not pass away. That permanence, that foundation upon which we stand is the fuel which means we can push forward. We can anchor ourselves on these words. So if we're convicted to bear hope, we can trust the Lord. We can step firmly into that situation, into the swirling waters of chaos to bring calm because we know that we are not alone. 
that God is with us. We are focused on that which matters most. I think about the baptism vows that we just took this morning. We said as a congregation that we were going to support this family. We were going to help each other raise our children up in the church. That's a sign of our faith. Faith in each other, but trusting that God is going to guide us every step of the way. And that, my friends, is what we really need to lean on. We look at the chaos around us in the mission field. We realize, I have these talents. How can I use them to trust God to show us the way so that we can bring hope to the world? So as Advent has begun, I'm not sure where you are in your Advent preparations. Maybe your house is already fully decorated or maybe you're just going to be getting the decorations out today. And as it begins, the music, the symbols, they begin, to they begin to seem familiar. The trees, the chrismons, the wreaths, the candles. But in the midst of that, as we look within, we look for the heart of Christmas, we need to realize it begins with hope and that we bear that hope to the world. So for us to cement this thought in our mind, I have a challenge for us this week. A little homework, if you will, the thing that should be at the top of our list. To share hope with someone else in such a way that they get a glimpse of God through you. That's our homework. Share hope in such a way that they get a glimpse of God through us. So in your mission field this week, wherever it may take you, Seek out or notice or recognize or see someone whose life is upside down or in turmoil or has a little bit of chaos, but see them, find them, recognize who they are, lock eyes with them. Be focused on them. And then with the gifts that you have been given, what would it look like if we would calm the chaos and help them turn their life right side up? to show them that we care, to spend time with them, to help them, to talk to them and to listen. Whatever it is that they need, whatever needs to happen is they dump all the stuff of life on the table to help them through our gifts and our abilities put the pieces back together to find a workable solution that gives them hope to take the next step forward. And to trust God to guide us every step of the way as we help them. And what would it look like if we left them thinking, I saw God today. She has the nicest smile. Or he's much younger than I imagined. Or it's something else that completely catches them off guard but they are definitive. They're because of their encounter with us. They saw God today. When we bring that kind of hope to the world, my guess is maybe even we'll get a glimpse of God in their eyes too. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.